1: Hello, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks. This episode features comedian, writer and actor Tiff Stevenson. It's an episode I really enjoy doing. Tiff is really funny and I think it's got a bit of everything. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. It's a podcast I'm going to remember for a particularly long time, because we recorded this last Thursday, which was the 29th of January, and that turned out to be a special day because my wife went into labour six weeks early, and what we thought would turn out to be a false alarm resulted in the birth of our new little boy. So that was a gigantic fucking shock to the system, seeing as we thought we had until the beginning of March. Anyway, he's doing well, as is my wife, and fortunately for you people, I'd edited this before it all kicked off, so here it is for you to enjoy. I had another recording booked in with a really great guest on that Friday, which I had to cancel seeing as we were about to go into an operating theatre, but we'll get to it at some point and I'm sure it'll be well worth the wait. Given the last couple of days have been completely insane, I have no idea when I'll be recording next, because I have no real sense of time anymore, but I've got a couple recorded a while ago that we'll put out, and by then I should have time to get a handle on things. As always, if you want to have your say on who and what you think is a dick, then get in touch at dickspod.com slash contact, or message us on Twitter or Instagram at Dickspod, and we could read out your submissions on our sister podcast, Compact Dicks. Okay, I'm off to bed, but please do subscribe if you haven't already, and leave us a nice rating. Think of it as a gift to my newborn son, because he's well into that kind of thing. Right, here's Desert Island Dicks with Tiff Stevenson. I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian, writer and actor Tiff Stevenson. How are you doing?
0: Good, thank you. Good. Thank you for saying them all so precisely (laughs) and saying all the things. Um, I'd also like to add into that list of things, uh, best friend.
1: Okay. Yeah. Very Um, important.
0: Yeah. Um a potential, potential doula. I might do that in the future. I don't know. I like to keep it open. I like to keep options open. All around great person.
1: Mm. A doula. Isn't that someone who helps someone with childbirth? Yeah, it is. Oh, I don't
0: know why I said it, to be honest. I've got no intention. It just struck
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a nice word. I kind of think that the word is a lot nicer than the actual thing. I mean, what you're doing for someone is very nice, but having been through it, I, well, not personally, you know, but having been there at the birth of my son... I mean, volunteering for that kind of thing, I just, I think they're a very special kind of person.
0: Yes, actually, my friend Liv uh, is trained as a doula and she's amazing.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And actually, she is all of the things you just listed for me. Plus, she's like, um, she does musical improv, like she's more talented than me. And then she went and found time to be a doula as well. So basically, what I'm saying is my friend Olivia is a bitch (laughs) who's made me feel bad about myself. Thanks, Liv.
1: yeah damn it. Uh, Well, you get people like that in life, don't you? (laughs) But um, thank you for coming along today. And um, so uh, how did you find the process of of making your choices today? Are you sort of generally positive or do you find it quite easy to vent about people and things you hate?
0: I think if you'd have caught me a year ago, I would have easily, easily found space for it. But I think since we've been in this lockdown, I was like, oh, I've got to do something negative now, which is interesting (laughs) because I've sort of been trying to work on I've been trying to have a positive mindset throughout the lockdown purely because I think it's sort of essential for surviving it. And that, of course, doesn't mean that I there isn't things that I don't hate or that mm. I feel negatively about. It's just I haven't I've been trying not to focus on them so much yeah. in the last year so I've really been trying to look at the stuff I am grateful for and be positive about and and sometimes as well in discourse and stuff online I often find that we're more vocal about stuff that we don't like
1: yeah absolutely than
0: we are about stuff that we do like so so what I've actually tried to do is 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 um of course there's stuff I still hate and I can't wait to get into it and tell you about all of that <laughs> but I'm trying to balance it so when I talk about stuff that is frustrating or negative I'm trying to sort of balance it in my life and online with kind of going, but by the way, I love this. Yeah. And I'm really into this thing. And so then I think it's fine. I think it's, it's more interesting and we can't love everything all the time. There's lots of things that sometimes we don't even understand. You've got, when you really hate something, sometimes it's about scraping back a layer of, and it's possible that something that you truly hate, you hate because you see yourself in it and it's like a mirror. So that's often, you know, so it it can be quite revealing.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. It's such a sort of important thing for us to do at the minute. I mean, I say that as someone who hosts a podcast about <laughs> hating things. I mean, I tr- I try and uh, sort of kid myself that you know it's in, it's also sort of making people happy. So that's the sort of balance. But I don't know if like you know if there was a pearly gates, you know, in the afterlife, and I had to sort of justify this to saint peter i don't know if he'd be buying it but um
0: <laughs> i know i think it's a great idea i didn't mean to make you feel bad it's <laughs> uh, it's it's only in the last while i've been like normal uh, honestly you could catch me on any day and i'd go this bell uh so today i had to sit down and go actually i want to i want to be able to sort of justify the reason that i i don't you know like mm. these people
1: I've been sort of similarly, I I was saying to my wife yesterday, I was like, you know what, I think we've had a really good run since all this pandemic started. Like, you know, we haven't been arguing, we're in this tiny flat together with a young child, another one on the way, and I think we've held it together really well. But then I realised, I think... Whilst my domestic life is quite calm and blissful, my intolerance for anyone outside of that bubble has—I <laughs> like, think—I'll be talking about you know friends, family members, anyone. I'm just like God. What is their problem? Ugh. And and I think <laughs> so I'm sort of balancing it It's very yin yang. I think so. Um, but anyway, Tiff, let's get into it then. Um, who's going to be your first choice joining you on the island?
0: Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop a Kardashian on.
1: Okay, nice one. And I'm going to
0: go Kim Kardashian. It was a toss-up between general influencers mm. and Kim Kardashian. But I think Kim Kardashian is the sort of pinnacle of that kind of influencer influencer sort of culture. And I've talked about her in my stand-up over the years and... Um, Uh, I think it's the tone deafness during the pandemic of just going on holiday to an island and taking all of your friends and then posting the pictures. I mean, it's not just that. Here's the thing. The worst worst person to be on an island with is someone who is that thirsty for attention Mm. because you haven't got the gram, (laughs) right? You haven't got any internet. So I just imagine waking up in my little shack that I've built myself of a morning, like waking up and then having Kim Kardashian stood in front of me, Doing, looking, doing that face, you know, that looks like a trout sucking algae off the bottom of a <laughs> pond um, at me in a bikini or naked, mm. kind of demanding that I comment on it and uh, give her some attention for it. And here's the thing as well. Listen, if you want to be naked, I don't have an issue with any of this. I talked about it years ago in a a show of mine. I think it was like 2016. But uh, Kim Kardashian did a naked selfie on International Women's Day. Mm. Like, happy International (laughs) Women's Day, ladies. I've got nothing to wear. And if the internet could have made a noise, it would have gone, ugh. Um, And uh, it was... It was quite remarkable. It's like, fine, if you want to get naked, just don't attach it to a cause. Yeah. And I never really see men doing this. Like, you know, she's kind of getting naked and then going, this for International Women's Day. I'm not seeing Kanye West get his bum hole out for Greenpeace. <laughs> maybe it will happen, you know. Um, I mean,
1: so... <laughs> maybe she was just sort of going, uh, and by the way, in case you need reminding, this is a woman you know yes maybe that was yeah. her intention
0: here it is to all the women that are probably on this hashtag <laughs> um yes um this is this is my body that I paid a lot of money for it looks mm. great but um so so yeah so someone like that I think would m- might be um intolerable to be around
1: yeah. I, yeah I imagine like as you say just sort of waking up and she's sort of showing you like 15 identical pictures and asking you to pick which one is the best and you're like this you know this is the same photo and she's like no don't be ridiculous you know just a lot of that all the time and I'm like this isn't and then getting to the point where you know there's no phone battery and it's just her sort of scraping images of herself on a rock and dragging you to go and, and sort of look at them
0: <laughs> yeah know. look at this one oh my god look i look so skinny and mm. yeah, it's a, you're a stick figure yeah. um I, but yeah i think it would be it, it, yeah you know on the the pictures anyway it's going to be face tune mm. so <laughs> yeah. what are yeah Yeah. How 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 would you get attention when the way that you normally get attention is not accessible to you? Um, And I would probably have to ask myself that as a comedian. And a lot of it is involved running around my flat screaming, look at me at my (laughs) other half um, because I haven't had the attention for performing. But I, I just I don't think there's much other conversation there.
1: Yeah, because it, it's such a strange thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, if you're sort of a rapper, you know, I get really bored of hip-hop when it just becomes a shopping list of just sort of bragging what you have. But at least, you know, you're making it rhyme and, you know, it's set to music. But when you're just bragging about what you have and there's nothing behind that, it is that's all there is. I mean, it's it's just so hard to sort of deal with. And, I mean, I'm always quite surprised that you know people do still quite idolize the kardashians and let's and, you know find them attractive and that sort of thing it's not just a sort of one of those you know like people watch i don't know uh those kind of programs about bitchy wives that have nothing to do and kind of argue all the time you know oh, I mean?
0: um yes uh housewives of um yeah uh yeah i've i've watched the is it beverly hills there's like bel-air beverly hills mm. orange county atlanta
1: yeah, So I kind of always thought the Kardashians was sort of, you know, one of those sorts of things that people watched ironically. But I think it's not really, is it? People just quite enjoy it, which I find just baffling, really.
0: Well, I think as well, there's like, you know, there's the, there's the sort of Christian, I think there's the spectacle of the family and there are very sort of, in other ways, I can defend them. It's really mm. weird because I remember Piers Morgan at Christmas uh, not this christmas i think it was the christmas before or maybe the one before that do you remember the queen did her speech sat in front of a gold piano yeah and everyone was like oh my god we're in the middle of this austerity and queen's like doing a speech in front of a gold piano and the worst bit was she didn't even you know bang out a round of roll out the barrel or (laughs) any old iron um like at least do a couple of tunes on it love. but um but people were sort of talking about that and then other people like what do you expect she's the queen and Piers Morgan went into a full on meltdown of like, you know, she's our monarch. Of course, she's going to be sat in front of a, a gold piano, you know, and it was kind of basically this bowing and scraping. And then literally a week earlier, he he had accused, um, I think, Chris Jenner of an ostentatious display of wealth for having... Um, an amaze bag or something with loaded written on it or filthy rich i can't remember And he was like what disgusting grotesque uh display of wealth um so i'm like how can how can, why isn't it okay for chris jenner but it's okay for the queen at least chris jenner made her money mm. admittedly by selling her own daughter's sex tapes <laughs> and this is where we get into the problem with the kardashians it's <laughs> it's always been a sc- scandalous family mm. that's the kind of beginnings of them you know the the dad was famous for getting OJ off, not in a masturbatory way. <laughs> but it kind of, it's, it, they were kind of like a scandalous, you know, they were that kind of family. Mm. So, you know, and maybe, you know, there's more, I guess, Kim. Kardashian is studying law now to follow in her dad's footsteps. And, wow. uh Didn't Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, and uh, she was trying to get people exonerated and stuff like that. So people were like, leave her alone because she's doing good things. And I'm like, all of it is being filmed for a reality series.
1: Yeah, <laughs> None
0: of it can just happen. Like no good deed can go unremarked upon or mm. unfilmed or, un you know. And I think they've got enough money now that if they wanted to, they wouldn't need to make it. A- you know, Kim Kardashian wouldn't need to make another piece of TV. Or another kind of shoot of her in her underwear her sculpting underwear you mm. know which you go any of that all of that is horseshit like I've had Spanx before they they might as well call them fat redistribution pants <laughs> they're not gonna you just move the roll further and further up your body um, but the roll will still be there <laughs> so um so I feel like they could just like I'm not saying they have to disappear but you've got enough money stop trying to you know Mm. make out like you know this kind of like be kind rhetoric be kind to kim she she had a really rough year and she went on holiday to an island with 30 of her closest friends where the staff all had to be masked up yeah you know um so and so i think it's that divide i think during this whole i realize i sound like i'm over justifying but i think during (laughs) the pandemic people have got a little bit sick of celebrities Mm. so if you don't have anything else to offer in terms of talent or skill just living this lavish lifestyle when people are kind of trapped indoors it's it's not going down the best
1: i think um Maybe the celebrities sort of did us a big favour right at the beginning with that Gal Gadot sort of, um, <laughs> you know, that imagine thing because so that was so early on and everyone just went, oh fuck off, and I think all the other celebrities <laughs> went, right, okay, noted. I'll uh, I'll not be any do anything worthy, you know, unless it is like something actually good, you know, yes. and, and like Madonna doing that. like Oh, we're all equal now. In my fucking huge mansion and my bath of petals and all of this stuff. So <laughs> yes. and I think they they, they happened very early on as a sort of a nice signpost to celebrities like not now not now but things like that do slip through like I remember flicking through the news app on my phone at some point during one of the lockdowns and the times had an article it's like where to buy your second property or like where how to start looking and I was like read the room the times come (laughs) on
0: I think it's, the celebrities cracked very early. I think people generally are like struggling mm. in terms of mental health. Like probably, you know, there's people throughout the year or they're up and down or now we're at a point where it's like nearly a year in and there's going to be people who've had two birthdays in lockdown. Mm. You know, I think that's, that's when we're starting to sort of get to a point where people will be really, really feeling it. Mm. Or there will have been people in the first proper lockdown that really struggled and you know i've been up and down but yeah. i think it's how quickly celebrities cracked not being surrounded by their pr people and the yes men and being told you're excellent like you need to be told you're excellent like at least once a day by someone you pay Yeah. um so so they kind of all they all went on the internet and some of it was amazing like jack black on tiktok like doing all of these Joyous, like zany, wild videos was amazing. And then and other places you've got, well, this, you know, this is horrific. I'm in my mansion and I can't fly to St. Bart's for my holiday. And you're like, Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I so I feel it's it's been a benefit people were talking about it maybe being the death of celebrity, but um mm. it might just be the death of pointless celebrities celebrity for celebrity's sake you know like the influencer going on good morning the other day and kind of saying for my mental health i needed to fly to dubai also (laughs) it's my job here i am riding on a camel wearing (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah, so i I, i'm I think I think in some ways that's like a it will sweep the room clean. It will be a good thing.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think there's definitely potential for change there. So, yeah, fingers crossed we don't just sort of snap back and an eject reaction afterwards. <laughs> but but we'll see. But I think that's a very wise choice. And uh, not just for who she is, but for all she represents. I think, uh, as you as you made clear, that's a, a very, very difficult sort of person to be stuck on the island with. Um, who's going to join you then? Who's going to be the second person?
0: uh number two i think um nigel farage mm-hmm. yeah because he's like a shit that won't flush. i'm sure people have offered him up before has anyone offered him
1: he has he has appeared before but i mean there's always so much to say about him. i mean i think i think uh you know we're always happy to have people more than once because you know you know, they've done the crime. You've got to do the time. It's, uh, you know, let's not forget. Because of the way, as you say, he doesn't just flush away. He'll just pop back up like some kind of shitty whack-a-mole. So I think it's it's good to remind people that he is still there and he is still a a nasty threat.
0: Well, and also with how, kind of how long Brexit has taken, how badly it's gone and him being the architect of that, really. Mm. Um, You know, him and Boris, but, you know, Nigel, I I mean, when he wanted to, he sort of... (laughs) He sort of had the Brexit party, didn't he? That was when he reappeared again and he yeah. was on a cliff in Dover wearing a flat cap and a waistcoat and it was like Antiques Roadshow Cunts Edition. <laughs> um, and uh, I find him to be... Look, first of all... He's going to be scanning the shoreline every five minutes mm. on the island to make sure people aren't getting in. That's the first thing he's going to be doing. So I, that would be my first annoying thing, him out with, like, binoculars, making sure that no one who desperately uh, needed to flee the country they were in due to civil war or hunger or um, persecution mm. would be able to get onto our desert island and have a go at our coconuts. So, you know, that's that would be frustrating. Um yeah, so I think he's kind of like Earthworm Jim. I find him, like, he, slippery, slimy, even when I th- he opens his mouth to speak and it feels like my vagina heals over. <laughs> like, I don't think... His voice is like, uh, oh, it's... Her- there was that video of him banging pots and pans for the NHS uh, outside yeah. as well, which was, you know... A- again, if, if there was anything to put you off, that would do it for a mm. while, I reckon. Um, so I think someone like Farage... Yeah. I wouldn't want to be trapped. I wouldn't want to be trapped with him.
1: Because I think also one thing with him, like, I mean, as you say, he's just a vile man and, you know, the sound he makes, the way he looks, everything about him. But, you know, some people sort of go, oh, yeah, but, you know... Part of his appeal is you can sort of imagine him actually switching off and being an okay bloke, and you think, well, that'd be worse because even if he did manage to trick you into it, you just suddenly go, no, no, I'm having a conversation with. Oh, he said something that made me laugh or something, and you know, I feel like that's absolutely impossible now. But you know, you just think if you're going mad on a desert island and just Farage is there, and or you know, or he lives up to everything you expect from him, and he is a total cunt, and you've just got to stare at that sort of weird reptilian face of his, you know.
0: Yes, I, I, feel, like, I, I feel like um, he, Farage is, kind of fits in with Stanley Johnson and a few of those where they kind of go, a character. Oh, you'd have a drink with him. And you'd go, mm, yeah, exactly what you're saying. If he doesn't feel that way. Someone said that to me once about Katie Hopkins, I think, that like, oh, she doesn't actually think all that. And I'm like, well, then it's worse. Yeah. I described it as being hateful for a biscuit. <laughs> also, he's just so cringe. When he turned up at the eu with the like you know the all the tub thumping jingoistic flag wavers that's who he brings out Mm, you know i've had a lot of them on my twitter recently so i know that's the farage fans of those people who are like the flag onanists Mm, who if you say anything to criticize um you know great britain then that means you hate your country you can't you're not allowed to be critical of anything british means you hate it um which is, you
1: know, yeah, it's such a weird sort of stance to take. Like, like, you know, I can I love my flat, but I can I can see that it's a bit too small and needs a bit of a lick of paint. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> to sort of notice that you need to improve, or like you know, in, in in your own self to notice that you need to improve in some aspects isn't to sort of hate yourself necessarily. You know, and yeah, I I think I I particularly resent the way that because it's like you know with the like you say with Katie Hopkins because he'll sort of turn up start shouting until he's got his way and then just fuck off for ages. And it's like, at least if you stuck around to see something through, I'd sort of believe that it wasn't just this horrible, selfish, racist act, you know? Because it would sort of go, oh, oh, this is really important. Okay, bye then, bye then, until someone else disagrees with me and I'll, and I'll pop back up again.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's his reimagining himself in another role. So now that Brexit's done, he's reimagined himself into this kind of... Uh, warrior that stops people from coming on the beaches. Mm. <laughs> coming on the beaches, sounds wrong. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, doing all of his videos during lockdown as well, mm. kind of, you're like, well, you're not exempt. How are you exempt?
1: Yeah. And there's this sort of two-facedness of it as well. Like when, I think isn't I think his wife is German, isn't she? And and someone sort of challenged him once. Like he was in the middle of talking about, only, you know, British people should be doing British jobs. And they were like, well, your wife works for you. And, you know, she's not a British national, so you could argue that's, you know, that would be a British person's job if you really want to get into that whole world of it. And he was like, oh, well, don't be so ridiculous. And it's like, well, that's, that is what you're saying, though, isn't it? Like, that's yes. that's not a British person doing that job. I couldn't care either way, obviously. But it's like, you know, it's just that kind of, yes, but she's my wife, so she's all right. She's not one of those foreign people. You know the ones. It, you know, it's just that sort of, yeah. Yes, Yeah.
0: yeah he 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 classed himself as an essential worker to do it as well. He said this is essential work, presumably like speaking to crabs and various <laughs> other fish to find out what passports they have yeah, yeah um yeah it's like a i don't know he's like a what a cheshire cat if the Cheshire cat took a shit and someone stuck googly eyes on it mm, that's yeah. you know like he's so smug and self satisfied even when um <laughs> He put up up a great picture, didn't he, betting on Trump winning the election. That was joyous. I enjoyed that. That was a piece of sweet. Was it £10,000? Oh, God. That he bet on Trump. Um, So at least, you know. But then again, that in itself should say to his supporters, uh, Farage is not the man of the people that you think he is. Mm. What man of the people... Just can afford to lose 10,000 pounds.
1: Yeah, I know. It's insane, isn't it? Uh, and that's the sort of thing that him and Trump both have. It's sort of like talking about being anti establishment when you're very rich and sort of, you know, and Farage like worked in the city and there's no part, you know, there's no part of you that's this sort of like down to earth working man. And it's just, it's such a, such a like good con in a way, but also so hard to understand how he perpetuates it. So. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be a difficult man to be stuck with on an island. Also, he's going to be with you and Kim Kardashian, who he's simultaneously going to look <laughs> down on, but also sort of be quite worrying with as well. You know, I think he'll he'll never stop staring at her, but also sort of think he's better than her as well. So you've, in, you're going to sort of be in the middle of that. Game. I don't like either of you, but I sort of feel protective of Kim, you know. that's
0: it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're not as bad as Nigel, and that's, you know... Mm. saying something but the the other thing is as well I wonder whether he would do jobs on the island or whether he would have the same stance you know British jobs for British people (laughs) you know the big you know what about when we get on the island island jobs for people who are from the island Mm. you know depending on where the island is you know we're we're going to be immigrants, hmm. so maybe we, maybe you do want him on the island so that he gets to feel what that immigrant experience is like. Yeah, to get told you're not from here and you're not allowed to have anything from here because you're not from here and you don't deserve it. And how dare you?
1: I think with him though, he just managed to convince himself that it's fine. You know, he just he just managed to manipulate the truth somehow. I think so. I think basically you're going to have to bludgeon him to death with a rock. I think that's the way out of this situation. <laughs> I'm afraid, but um, look, you know what you do on your island is your business. I'm just, I'm just planting seeds here. So, right. but look, who's, <laughs> who's going to round off the trio of dicks on your island then?
0: Um, I'm going to go with womb botherers, which is a collective term <laughs> I use for people who think it's uh, okay to interfere with women's reproductive rights, right. and they pop up on Twitter quite often. Uh, to say women are wrong uh, to want to take the morning after pill. Um, I've, I've learned about them sort of from my mentions. And I, and I think, like, I have male colleagues who are like, oh, do they sort of exist? And I'm like, yes. In fact, there's a group called Precious Life who are um, – you can get an idea they're, – they're anti-choice. Mm. I was going to say pro-life, but let's say anti-choice yeah. who um, – I've always been pro reproductive rights for women. Like Wound Botherers, Arlene Foster of the DUP would be another example of a wound botherer. Uh but uh yeah, I've always been vocal about how important I think reproductive rights are.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh I wrote an article, I think, for the Metro, and then I the wound botherers appeared en masse. Uh, this group, Precious Life, uh, came out and said boycott Tiff Stevenson shows. Mm obviously i was devastated that some people who'd never intended on coming to my show were now actively seeking to not um but better than that uh they wrote a whole article about me where they referred to me as comedian tiff stevenson now if you're listening what i did there was i put the quotation marks around tiff stevenson my name which is what they did in the article. <laughs> to which you have to sort of explain you know if you want to insult me you've got to put the quotation marks around the word comedian
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like not my name that makes it seem like I've made up my name or I'm a cool spy
1: um so-called I don't mind Tiff Stevenson <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes yes so-called Tiff Stevenson so there'd be wound bothers in fact I, they're everywhere wound botherers I It was a thing that I witnessed in Starbucks a couple of years ago. became a huge routine in one of my shows, but it was a barista who was refusing to give a pregnant woman her coffee because he was saying it was bad for the baby. Oh, my God. That kind of level of interference, it's about policing women's bodies. It's about getting involved with shit that just doesn't affect you, and I don't understand it. If you're anti-abortion, don't have an abortion, but don't try and stop other people from having the option like if you don't like the idea of it then don't do it it's the idea that you want to legislate other people's choices
1: no absolutely I'm I'm sort of stuck on the idea of this barista because I kind of think if you're sort of pro-life and surely the worst thing to to safeguard your life is to refuse a pregnant woman anything she wants
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes well how has your wife had this? Because I, when I put it online after it happened, I had so many pregnant women going, "Oh, I was told that I, I wasn't allowed coffee. I wasn't allowed like a sip of champagne." One woman said that she went into a deli and they refused her sausage, which I thought was quite ironic. <laughs> I thought it was very well, funny. <laughs> a bit too late for that yeah, one,
1: but yeah, I don't think so. I mean, obviously, this entire pregnancy has been during lockdown, but the first one, I'm not sure that she did. I think she's found it okay, but I mean, she's pretty capable of handling herself, so I think she'd be very happy to tell anyone to fuck off. But nothing that's been, you know, too sort of, you know, anything to write home about, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I just, I just think with any, anything like this, when it comes to sort of people and their bodies and whether it's like, I don't know, I mean, there's, there's sort of similar debates about things like, you know, legalisation of drugs or sort of, you know, sex work. And it just sort of feel, feels like anything that you can make legal, you can then regulate, and it's all just about people being safe you know, and just and sort of having safe access to things if they need it, you know, I just think to sort of ban things out of some weird kind of moral principle is to sort of say, well, you know, but if you care about people's lives, you know, let's think about these women who might be in danger or might be in need of, of these services and just ensure their safety.
0: Well, being anti it or trying to prevent like it happening with legislation or with law or anything else and you know in the uk you know we have that like and now in ireland thankfully mm. uh with repeal the eights and in northern ireland as well you know um, and there are still parts of the world there's countries like brazil i think where it's not legal um you don't stop it happening you just stop it from happening safely
1: yeah So
0: and it's it's but what always ends up being uncovered under a lot of this is like in America where a lot of these congressmen and, um, you know, uh, politicians and, you know, sort of Republican guys who are heavily pushing for it. You find out they've paid for their mistress to have one or, you know, so it's just um, so it's kind of, um, you know, don't do as I do, do as I say. Yeah, it's okay for me to have it, but not for you. So I, I just, I, it it is genuinely one of those things where like, again, a pregnant woman's body doesn't affect you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, um, so why you, f- you feel the need to go in and police that um, it's, it's sort of crazy. Like the way people talk about pregnant women sometimes, and the way with that is like they're standing drinking, you know, 10 bottles of whiskey and eating a packet of fags, like mm. as if we can't be trusted. So, I I I felt like that was a, that was amazing to me watching a woman have to justify from a young sort of 30 something barista you know how to handle her own pregnant body and he didn't like he didn't let it go it wasn't the like the firstly he sort of said do you want me to make you a decaf and she went oh no it's fine she offered a caramel macchiato hmm. So it's fine. He was like, mm, "I don't think you should have caffeine." And she's like, "I have one coffee a day. I know what my limits are. What the recommended is fi-, you know." And then he was like, "Don't think you should have it because it's bad for the baby." So he just he kept going with it.
1: Mm. And you just know. the idea that he would have done more research than than the woman who's having the baby, you know, like so. I'm serving you coffee, but I actually know more about your body and what's going on. Like you wouldn't yeah. have checked because you know it's just you know the future of your unborn child you, you know you wouldn't have looked into it like i have in starbucks on my time well off.
0: yeah starbucks are doing obgyno training <laughs> like that's their new thing now we we bring you in we teach you about coffee but we ob- also make you obstetricians
1: <laughs> yeah and i think it's just that that sort of mindset as well it's a very sort of closed off blank mindset that will refuse to listen so having any kind of debate about anything on the island with these people is going to be maddening
0: yes yeah so people who um and especially look if you got pregnant on the island you've got a couple of wound bothers around that's going to be really yeah it's going to be it's going to be an unpleasant experience well I
1: mean probably the most unpleasant thing is that there's a high chance it will be Nigel Farage Farage, I've
0: forgotten actually I'm only on the island with (laughs) with with Kim and Nigel Mm. so yeah Unless Kim or myself was pregnant when we washed up on the island.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, it's possible. So,
0: yeah. So I, but, and, and I've not given, you know, I said a group of people as in wound botherers. But, you mm. know, we could make it the barista from Starbucks. But also as well, wh- what was interesting about this and speaking about it, it told me quite a lot about how society views women. Because people were like, why are you being a bitch trying to get him fired from his job? And I was like, I'm not trying to get him fired. I didn't name him. I just, I think he does need to know it's not okay to do this. Mm. No one's saying this man needs to be fired from his job. But he does need a manager to come in and go, when a customer orders something, you kind of not allowed to go in with your opinion on whether they think you should have it.
1: Yeah. yeah it's like do you think he does that with everyone just sort of oh you know that's not really your color it sort of makes you it makes you look a bit flushed you know or like uh i I think with that silhouette you know something a bit more floaty would be good for you you know like where does it end you know this kind of feedback unsolicited
0: opinion yeah Yeah.
1: he thinks is right for that person
0: spell the name wrong on the cup
1: (laughs) yeah exactly serve
0: that horrible coffee that's in starbucks it's not the best i prefer yeah. make me ask for it in else. a funny
1: language rather than just saying small medium and large yeah come on yep. get on with it <laughs> yeah yes um, okay good well that's the people and i think you've done a, a great job picking some horrendous horrendous people there Now, Tiff, mercifully, among the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad?
0: Um, well, so worst food is going to be a Cornish pasty because mm-hmm. um, I have a, a an aversion um, and that stems from being in high school with a girl who wasn't was kind of intermittently a bit bullyish to me. Okay. There were times we were friends and there were times when we were not friends. And um, I just remember sitting down for lunch one day and she had a Cornish pasty. And the smell of it, I mean, maybe it was the smell in the canteen. It was a combination of things. But she was talking to me. And as she like was talking, a bit of carrot got stuck on her tooth. She had really big teeth. <laughs> and it was like slow motion. I was just sort of watching... <laughs> and masticate on this cornish pasty and and uh staring at this piece of carrot and i couldn't say anything to tell her to get it off her tooth <laughs> and it made me it made me feel physically ill yeah. i can't explain like i had a reaction to it <laughs> and then after that um i just couldn't eat cornish pasties <laughs>
1: wow. in theory
0: they should be th- i like a sausage roll yeah. i would like a like a cheese twist i'm into those things but for some reason i just can't maybe it's the mints and the pep and the carrot mm. and the yeah it's i've got an aversion to it
1: yeah because on paper they're fairly innocuous but i think yeah in that setting i can definitely see why you'd why you'd uh, form an aversion to them um also i mean you know if they're washed up on the island or you know uh, in the wreckage of the plane i think you know when Cornish pasties aren't fresh and they're cold well you probably haven't had one recently <laughs> enough to remember but you know you can get like a real sort of film of like a fatty film around your uh. mouth when they're cold which is horrendous I can imagine Nigel Fraud every time he sort of picks one up saying something like ah oh, the great British Cornish pasty like he'll never be able to eat one without sort of giving it a kind of jingoistic epithet you know beforehand. yes yeah yeah
0: yeah I've, i'm gonna wrap this bunting around my body and sit here all day and smash cornish pasties into my face mm. watching the shoreline um <laughs> yes i think you there are those are key those sort of key sort of moments that um i'm trying. i think of a similar thing my stepson um not long ago Um, We got him a VR for his PlayStation. This was a couple of years ago. And it was on a day that we'd eaten Nando's. And he previously really loved Nando's. But I think he'd been on the VR too long. And he got motion sickness. And he was explosively sick. Like we called it the Nando's exhibition was what we named it. And um, you know that thing. If someone throws up, then everyone's going to be sick. Like you're trying to gather up, you know, a child's hot vomit is like <laughs> one of those so i imagine parents get put uh put off of a lot of foods by seeing babies like kind of you know mm. um actually not babies because babies are babies and it's quite runny i think when kids grow up a bit there is something just about a hot package of food like making its way back to greet everyone um so he he had the nando's exhibition and then after that, he, can't, he just won't eat Nando's, even though we were like, it wasn't the Nando's that made you sick. Yeah. It was because you'd been on the VR set for too long and you'd got motion sickness. But now he won't, because he associates that with being sick. Same way as I associate, it doesn't make sense, the Cornish pasty with the tooth and this mean girl and feeling sick, sat in the canteen when I was like 14 years old. The, the two, I cannot, I can't get over it now. And even when you said film there, that made me that made me heave a little bit like an oily film,
1: yeah, yeah, no I can, yeah, I think one of those things where a good one can be very good, but yeah, just a sort of a bad one is can be a very bad thing indeed, so that that makes sense.
0: Is it got mints in it as well? Is it like mints and peas and or well, is it?
1: I think they sort of vary, but you know depending on how what good quality they are, I think the better ones tend to have more it's more like a casserole inside a pastry shell, and then like, right. if you're going down to the sort of greg's level. It's just sort of it's fairly it's like they've blended it a little bit, you know?
0: Right, right. Um, oh, a casserole yeah. in a pie. There's weird things up in Scotland. They have macaroni pie. Yeah,
1: know if you've I ever tried that, that. I, I there's that weird. It's a sort lot of, of carb. Yeah, there's that weird kind of, I don't know, school of eating or like school of food that's you know it's kind of inspired by that kind of man versus food sort of thing where it's like. You know, calling things, oh, do you want our dirty burger? That's where it's got 18 chicken wings and 17 <laughs> burgers. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And I've been in those sort of places or like barbecue kind of places, and they'll, they'll have like a burger that has macaroni and cheese in it. And I'm like, what the fuck are you playing at? Like, what is this? Like, every time you buy one, I think an Italian dies somewhere, you know. Just... <laughs> but. <laughs> it's just like why why would you put those things just have it on the side are right? you so desperate to put everything into everything all the time it's uh
0: well to be fair there's a lot of scottish italians so maybe it's the scotch and oh, there's a, a scotch yeah. pie is nice actually but there's like a lot of pies in scotland so then that maybe that's where the two that's the two fair. have met
1: yeah i always two... find that so funny it's like Imagine just coming from Italy and just sort of moving to Scotland in like the seventies or whatever. It must have been such a culture shock, even though it's like I mean it's probably like the biggest culture shock for the, the least distance, you know.
0: Oh yeah, it was a lot earlier than that. So my my um my f I hate saying fiance <laughs> I mean we've been together fourteen years, so we're basically married after year one. <laughs> mm. But um we are engaged now. But he's he's Scottish Italian. Okay. And his nonna came you know way earlier than that and there was lots of sort of around the second world war as well and um i think there were like camps internment camps during the like for italians in scotland Uh, there's a there's a lot of scottish italians in glasgow and in edinburgh i'm just going to look this up now Mm. um
1: I just have an absolutely appalling uh, knowledge of any history, so that's that's my uh, my <laughs> excuse for this.
0: Oh, internment of an Italian from Glasgow. There we go. Strained strained loyalties. Her Italian grandfather interned on the Isle of Man during World War Two.
1: Okay.
0: So yeah. Right. Um. So they emigrated to Scotland in the twenties, but then after the war came back. You know. So. Right, right. um Yeah. It's um. It's, uh, it's, there's a a very like, you know, there's lots, lots of Scottish Italian actors and performers like Mm. Peter Capaldi, Daniela Nardini. Mm. um, And they they came to Scotland and there were lots of, you know, set up lots of fish and chip shops and uh, ice cream. The mm. Rollo ice cream. So there's like various different families. It's, it's fascinating because my dad's Scottish, but he don't, we don't have, you know, uh, he's, he's just Scottish. There's no Italian there. Yeah. They're all Scottish Presbyterian. So I'm always quite, I'm quite excited to hear about the the Scottish-Italian pockets of Glasgow. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's it's amazing how that kind of prejudice or that distrust has existed for, you know, mm. centuries and centuries. Like imagine having some having an entire life in Scotland, um, going off to fight and then being stuck in a camp and <laughs> not allowed back home. It's yeah. sort of
1: Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Um that that said, I'm not s I'm still not sure I can overlook a macaroni pie though, if I'm honest. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's quite a lot to put on the macaroni pie. I don't even know, it might not be the Scottish Italians that have done that. Um yeah. but uh you oh, know it might knows. be a haggis and spaghetti, that could be an interesting
1: I think combo. that could sort of work in haggis a way, meatballs. like a haggis ragu or something. You know, yeah, yeah. Stranger things have happened. I think I could get 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 on board with that maybe. I wonder
0: if that's been done. That someone should try that. Um, haggis meatballs and spaghettis or a, a haggis sugo would be.
1: Yeah, I think I think that could could work maybe. Um, but anyway, so, so we're going to put um, your Cornish pasty is going to be your food of choice. What terrible drink are you going to try and wash this down with?
0: <sighs> oh, it, um. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, I think kefir,
1: oh yeah, it's the sort of yogurty one.
0: It's fizzy milk
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: when I tried it it was fizzy milk, and that description alone should be off putting enough, and look, I like things that are um normally I like you know I would go for a bit of sauerkraut, mhm, you know, I like quite vinegary, briny. What's yeah. the word I'm looking for? Um, so,
1: fermented kind of thing? I like, and...
0: fer- I normally like fermented things, and I think that's what kefir is. Mm. But, uh, and maybe I just had a bad one, but I bought a bottle in a shop going, that'll be right up my street. Because um, I like a yogurt drink. I like everything around it. I like sour cream. I like cheese. I like yogurt. Um, but this was like absolutely revolting
1: i i don't know if i've tried it or not i've tried sort of like you say like other things around it like you know lassies and things like that and uh you know and i like i like d- a mango
0: lassie's nice actually you know in mm. the
1: but like even the savory ones i quite like you know you can sort of get the salt lassies and uh you know you can get like writer as well and the sort of yogurt dips and things like that but I, I think with yogurt there's there's a weird thing where like the, the consistency becomes quite important. Like if you if it's sort of smooth enough to drink, I'm a bit... It can just be a little bit like, this doesn't belong in this camp. This this shouldn't be over here, you know.
0: There's even some of the probiotics that are on the cusp as well.
1: Like the sort of Yakult's and stuff. They're yes. sort of a bit fizzy, the Yakult is
0: the one that... Yakult does not taste nice. Like no. the Danone ones or the Actimels, because mm. they'll do a flavour and they'll, they'll put a strawberry in. So it feels a bit more like a yogurty drink. Whereas the pure we've got some in the fridge and I had one the other day and I was like, yeah, that's nasty. Yeah. And, and, and for me, it's unusual for me to not like a drink because you are looking at someone who has forced themselves to like almost every alcoholic beverage that is available (laughs) (laughs) except for maybe a grappa. But I, I, I will try, you know, over the years, things that I didn't think I would like, like Angostura bitters. I now will drink a Manhattan Mm. Um I tend to sweeten it up a bit so there's flavors that once mixed in with something else I thought I would never like mm. um that I can actually really sort of get to enjoy like vermouths and martinis it took me I think getting to 40 before I appreciated uh, a a martini I think that's yeah. a drink for your 40 so mm. in the last couple of years I've really uh I've really started appreciating a martini but it oh, yeah, tastes so them. boozy mm.
1: yeah. <laughs> it's just
0: pure booze yeah um but uh I, yeah, I, I've almost forced even, even drinks that are good for me, like you know, and that's why I think I tried the kefir. But I like like a uh, coconut water. I don't massively mm. enjoy it, but I'll tolerate. It does taste a bit like cereal milk.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a, always a point with things that are sort of the new thing that you need to eat a lot of that are superfoods and things that you need, and I generally find with them that. I'd rather eat much more of something that had less of the good thing in. You know, so it's like oh goji berries they they've got much more of whatever they have in than other fruit and you think that they don't they don't taste as nice as the other fruit so can't I just have double nice fruit and not pay six quid for a tiny sachet of these crap raisins you know and and there's a few things like that it's like oh it's really good for your digestive system you're like so is this other nice thing that I can happily eat twice as much of you know
0: (laughs) yeah well I'm sure we could all just eat like a slush like what is it in the matrix they have that kind of like slush that has all the nutrients you need and you're like yeah but no one's enjoying this it's
1: gruel that sort of exists now doesn't it there's that stuff called huel which I know it's meant to sound like fuel, but it does sound too much like gruel. And it's like for people who kind of, I live a busy lifestyle. I've got this many followers on LinkedIn. I'm far too busy to eat food. I've got food in a bottle. And you're like, look, I know you think you're like George Jetson in the future with your bottle food. (laughs) But to me, like, you're more like a baby, you know.
0: Yes, food is to be enjoyed and uh, and part of it, the senses and the cooking and everything else. I haven't seen Anderson Cooper who just drinks Huel. I probably. think there's a drink or something that he drinks. Yeah. Diet. Oh, Soylent. Man. Soylent.
1: That's it. Yeah, that's the other one, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, ugh. it's just weird. Oh, it, like, food is nice. Just, you know, especially if you're someone who's, uh, like Anderson Cooper, you've probably got a few quid. Just get a chef. You know, they yes. make, make you nice <laughs> lunch boxes. They'll deliver it. It's all right. <laughs> It's sort of
0: like drinking a version of porridge is what I've heard Soylent's like. Mm. But uh, I mean, mentioning Huel, uh, the other half has a Huel t-shirt because at the beginning of lockdown, I think he went a bit mad thinking that we might not be able to get food. So he ordered like industrial size tubs of Huel and it turned up and then we tried it like in a couple of like sort of smoothies and stuff that we were doing a bit of intermittent fasting. And it is disgusting. So you've got to like mix flavours in with it because it just doesn't taste of (laughs) anything. It doesn't taste of anything. So we ended up putting like peanut butter or, you know, or some like chocolate or something in with flavoring to try and get something out of it but it was just bags of powder and they made when they arrived i felt depressed i was like surely this is not where we are and he was like no just in case and it's good to have it there and if we decide to diet and i was like yeah i'm gonna go and eat a snickers bar yeah yeah. that's how bad this has made me feel the idea of it
1: I think that all makes an awful lot of sense. I'm absolutely on board with you there, Tiff. I think that (laughs) makes a lot of sense. Okay, now, Tiff, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why?
0: Okay, there are a lot of bad films out there, like a lot of them. Um... (laughs) Only one of them has really sort of made me feel betrayed. Okay. Uh, and that is Sex in the City 2.
1: <laughs> right, okay.
0: That is as someone who loves the TV show. Mm. And, you know, looking back on it now, it has its flaws. But at the time when it was kind of HBO and it was pretty much The Sopranos and Sex in the City, um, you know, it was this iconic show. And that Sex in the City 2 movie, the first one is okay and was exciting because I was like, oh, I really want to, you know, I haven't seen it for ages. The second one was kind of like walking in on your best friend having sex with your husband. <laughs> like the sense of betrayal that how anyone could produce something so bad, vacuous, with including the line, Lawrence of my labia, <laughs> uh, being shouted by Kim Cattrall oh. as a man appeared on a camel.
1: Like... Oh, yeah.
0: Like and you were like, did you write this whole film to get to that pun? Because that is unacceptable. Like, and Samantha would always have some kind of like, oh my god, you could use a little backdoor smutty puns. Don't be so judgmental. You know that was kind of what you loved about her. There was a mm. kitsch punniness, but this kind of pushed it beyond.
1: Mm. It
0: was it was basically a fashion show in the desert and then the way they treated and it wasn't meant to be a comment, but also the way they treated like local people was Mm. like, Oh, it was just awful. It opens with a wedding where Liza Minnelli is singing. And for some reason, the two characters, they did that thing (laughs) where the two gay characters just enter into a relationship with each other. Right. As if there's no other gay people in the world Mm. and they hated each other throughout the entire TV series Miranda has just become this downtrodden sort of character and then after Carrie going on this whole journey with Big and finally marrying him even after he stands her up at the aisle in the first film, she's now back just trying to get on Aidan's dick in the desert Oh, there's, there's so much wrong with it I don't know if you've seen it and in fact in Australia there's um, two guys who have a podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time where they watch a movie over and over yeah, um, heard, I don't know if yeah. it's every day or once a week but Sex and the City 2 was one of the ones they did and um, good yeah. God
1: yeah I I haven't seen it but I've heard a lot of rage about it um, <laughs> and, then, and I, I think because there's another one they've just announced isn't there
0: well, is there's a new right? series. I think they're coming it back. It's a series on HBO Max. And I, I like the characters
1: in the mm. series.
0: In the series, you know, I'm excited about the idea um, uh, as, as a TV series coming back and ex- seeing what's happening as, you know, they're saying women in their 50s. So mm. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm, you know, I'm into that. I'm, uh, I'm I've got, you know, uh, yeah. It, it, It just felt like it was like a like a tourist board had. There's a bit where they sing "I Am Woman," hear me roar as well in Mm. the um in the movie, which is also awful at karaoke bar. None of the plot lines make any sense. Yeah, I think lots of fans of the show were like, "This is this feel is this a money grab? What is this? Why did you all sign on to do it? Mm. It's terrible."
1: Yeah. I mean, that Lawrence of, of my labia line, that's like, not to, <laughs> I mean, I really don't want to sound like I don't watch Sex in the City. I like James Bond because I'm a man. But I remember in one of the James, but in one of the Pierce Brosnan James Bond films, there's, I think it's Denise, is it Denise Richardson or Richards? And she's the Bond girl and she's called I think she's called like Dr. Christmas or something. And it's just so at the end he can go, I thought Christmas only came once a year. But you know, it's that <laughs> sort of like, you know, at the beginning you're like, why is she called Christmas? Ah, there you go. God, that, that was not worth it. You know, yes. So very what, a much
0: long, what a long journey to yeah, go to for,
1: for that joke. Like, I'm James Bond and I satisfy women sexually. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it sounds like it's you know I, the phrase jump the shark feels appropriate there
0: yes yeah it didn't just fucking jump the shark it took mm. the shark shark on a plane mm. and uh well no jump the shark's the motorbike isn't it from happy days that's mm. the that's what the reference is sorry yes it felt like they took a a lorry (laughs) to jump the shark I don't know what would be more extreme but I think Um, it's
1: uh when when there's something where you're you know you are emotionally invested in characters you've been on a journey for them. you know it's probably like a you know important stage of your life that you know because it was it was on telly for a long time wasn't it so it's probably a lot of your life has happened whilst you're watching that and then to sort of you know you are invested in them and for someone to just sort of like turn up and just sort of Piss their way through it and just go, oh, that'll do. And then we'll do this line and then this can happen. You're like, no, you feel like you deserve more than that.
0: Well, Carrie was always like, when you watch back on it, you're like, God, uh, actually, watching these episodes, like, Carrie is the annoying one. You're like, (laughs) God, as a friend, she's so fucking selfish. I think you would have just like ditched her while a while ago but you know and then then there's stuff to carry where she's vulnerable and it's cute and it's you know but the whole thing was big was like she's trying to land this guy who seems seemingly uncatchable and you know and they're this this great romance and he's with someone else and she's with someone else and they collide and they come back together and they collide and he rescues her in Paris which was an interesting couple of episodes uh but but then in Sex and the City 2, after the wedding, after the, him not making it to the altar and then them kind of going, let's be good to each other forever. Um, and he's a homebody and she's fed up because mm. he wants to stay in and like watch a movie and get a takeout. And she's like, we live in New York. Like, and then you're like, oh, Carrie, just shut the fuck up. You're an an annoyance. What do you mean? Like we live, like our marriage has gone stale. We're in a stale marriage because you actually want to spend time with me. Mm. And you're like, all you ever wanted him to do throughout the entire six seasons of the show was to spend time with you. (laughs) And now we've got this film where you're like, no, he's too much of a homebody.
1: Mm. Yeah, sounds sounds like a nightmare. I mean, I was going to give it a go, but after after that takedown, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm out. <laughs> um and what what song would you use to distract yourself from the crap film?
0: My worst song. Well, so I I was thinking about this and part of me was like I would maybe put something by Biggie Smalls because I love Biggie Smalls music, mm. but then as a feminist, the lyrics are literally quite difficult to swallow yeah. unconsensual jizzing in someone's mouth um, <laughs> but um uh but i do i do love the music so i'm not going to go with that i'm going to go with something i'm supposed to love but i absolutely cannot and over the years everyone goes on to me about it but in the in our old car my uh i'm gonna say paul my other half had um a cd of the national okay alligator i think it was it's yeah. the one that's got karen on it and that song and it makes me feel bad because my sister-in-law's called karen and she's like the loveliest woman there's something about the minor notes in it there's okay. something about the the way the lead singer of the national sings and it feels really dirty to me and then all of my friends like love the national and they're like, What are you talking about? And then, like, the more they're like, It's amazing, the more I'm like, Please don't play that song. It makes me, it's just depressing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I for me, I don't, I mean, I'm not actually that familiar with it, but then I feel like they're one of those bands you're supposed to know. Like, I was having a conversation the other day about, with some friends about like who was the most six music band in that, you know, in that, like, <laughs> Who do you hear? You know, so I I was saying that I've never listened to Six Music once without hearing a mention of Laura Marling.
0: Right, yes. And and I have
1: nothing (laughs) against her. And what I've heard of her, I like. But my friend was, he countered with saying The National. And for me, that's like, I always, I sort of, with Six Music, sometimes you sort of feel like, oh, I know what they're talking about. I'm cool. And then other times I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to know about these guys and I don't. And everyone knows about them. And the Nationals are like a bit of a blind spot with me. So I don't, I'm not that familiar with them. And then I feel less cool because of it. So, <laughs> you
0: know. <laughs> like everyone is, I oh, know they're great. And there's a song, Secret Basement. Um, and it's like kind of come on all this angsty kind of, you love Jeff Buckley when he's being angsty, but I'm like, oh my God, there's like, virtuoso guitar playing and amazing vocals and (laughs) is what I hear when I hear the national and I can't it's maybe it's the tone of his voice and it just doesn't connect with me and the keys in the music make me feel sad and I don't want and listen it's mad because Morrissey has lyrics that are I mean let's not get into everything else about Morrissey, but (laughs) Morrissey has songs that are, when you listen to them lyrically, like horrific Mm. shit's happening, but they're like jaunty tunes. Mm. So you can be like dancing along to them and maybe it's the music and the notes that hit you in a way that the lyrics don't. And it's it's just a tone, it's a mood and it never makes me smile or feel up. And um, I know they're introverted indie boys and I should love it, you know.
1: But it's it's so hard when you dislike something that all your peers like. You know, like for me, my my friendship group, it's like Radiohead, and they love them. And it's not like there's other bands that we could disagree about, and that's fine. But for some reason, that's a real sticking point. And like because I don't like Radiohead, and it's the same sort of things you're talking about, <laughs> like you know the the tone of the vocals, the minor keys, and it just sort of makes me feel like itchy. And like I feel like you know when you see someone portraying someone on heroin withdrawal and they're all kind of clammy and sweaty and sort of like h- hugging themselves that's what it makes me feel but <laughs> yes. when, I tell, when I tell people I don't like Radiohead it's like they just assume from that I just have no taste in music and there's certain bands that are like that it's like well if you don't like that you have nothing else to offer me you know and that's what I, I always hate it's like no but I, I like loads of interesting cool music look 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 through my phone look at all same these
0: here people. same here a very very eclectic taste
1: yeah but um, I, I
0: think that says more about the person if they say you have no taste if you don't like this band.
1: Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, you're
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm not going to say that to you. I'm not. How can how can a subjective opinion be wrong if it's a subjective hmm. <laughs> like opinion of music? Like you go, that doesn't. There's something about it. And we all have our, you know, musical. There's certain music and sounds and songs that make me feel like I am home. I feel uplifted. Mm. You know, like, like if if um, earlier on I put Marvin Gaye on, I was like, I really want a bit of Marvin Gaye and Luther Vandross. Yeah, and I'm in a and that doesn't mean that I don't like you know, Guns and Roses, because I do. Mm. And it doesn't mean that I don't like other music. But I was like, when I'm in my kitchen and I want to twirl around and dance, I'm listening to Ain't No Mountain High Enough or I'm mm. listening to Never Too Much by Luther Vandross. And those songs, give they give me an energy and... You know, and there are certain songs which can make me cry, but mm. they don't make me feel numb. And I think that's what you're talking about with how you respond to Radiohead. Like you say, like yeah. curling up, like despair. I don't want songs that make me feel despairing.
1: Yeah. No, exactly. Especially not on the island. So yeah, I think that's a, a very good choice as well. And I'm I'm totally with you. I mean I might I'm gonna have to go and listen to the National now, finally. This is gonna be the thing that uh does it. But uh I'll report back to you separately and let you know how I go. You might
0: on. you might love them like um here's a weird thing, like I think like there's maybe like there's sounds that they are similar to that I like, but collectively it must be the tone of his voice and the, and then I was up like, you've got to watch the documentary and they're so amazing. And I was like, I'm not going watch to watch the documentary mm. because I don't want to massively like the guys that, whose music I don't like. Yeah. I just want to be able to go, I don't really know about it. I don't listen to it and I don't enjoy it.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think it was absolutely fair enough point of view. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Tiff. Finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it, and why?
0: Oh, oh my God! I almost forgot about. I I did forget about the animal. (laughs) Um, what animal do I hate? Oh, um, I I think moths.
1: Moths. Okay. I have like
0: an aversion to moths, and they will be on the island. Like a butterfly, sometimes if that, I know what it is. When I was a kid, I went to a butterfly house Mm -hmm. and um, it's, you know, when you're, it's sort of quite confronting. They're all sort of flying around and, you know, flapping. And I like birds and I I, I do like butterflies, Mm. but the bigger butterflies scare me a little bit as well.
1: Yeah. It feels unnatural, doesn't it? When you see them that big.
0: Yeah. Well, this, these were like the giant moth, which I think is like the biggest, out of the butterfly moth family. And they were sat on slabs of meat.
1: Oh, God. And
0: they're um, you know, I don't know what it's called. It's not called antennae, is it? Where they cut their tongue, you know, it sort of unrolls. Oh, and... uh, proboscis? Proboscis,
1: proboscis. Proboscis, maybe. <laughs> yeah.
0: Was like they were sucking off of meat. They were like on <laughs> slabs of meat, these massive things. And then one flew off and like landed on my school skirt and I was completely frozen. I couldn't oh, wow. move. And again, I felt sick. Um, Sounds and... like some sort
1: of national front moth just eating meat <laughs> and like hassling schoolgirls.
0: <laughs> oh, it was so horrible. And um, and I yeah, like I say, I like butterflies and I like images of butterflies. But this moth was, he was, uh, he was terrifying. Mm. Um, and also he was, he was sort of, um, I, I'm saying he, It might have been a female moth. How dare I? Uh, But uh, so now I have a thing with moths. And I think it's because sometimes their bodies are so chunky. Mm. You know when they're like huge, you can hear them flying around the room. Also, they eat clothes. Butterflies don't eat clothes. Moths leave holes in shit like one Edinburgh, yeah, I... one Edinburgh sorry I was just just you carry on I'll I'll tell you the memory after.
1: No no mine was just I was just going to be in, indignant because I thought it was always one of those stories like you know moths eat clothes people slip on bananas these are things that happen in, in cartoons and then yeah I've had loads of stuff ruined by moths in the last few years and I think they're complete bastards. My wife went to see a Daniel Kitson show and she was saying oh it's really funny he was saying like moths are magical because they live on jumpers and there's isn't it lovely and whimsical and i was like no they live on my fucking jumpers that's not <laughs> that's not nice sorry but anyway you, you were saying about uh, uh yeah
0: well just one edinburgh i came back and um there were like five i left a window open and so mm. i sort of invited them in it's like an, a vampire yeah. you know leave the window open um you're inviting the moths in and there was it was in the rental and it freaked me out so much. I was like, it's going to have eaten my jeans through to hot pants. That's how many of them there is. And I got like a, I think there was like a wrench on the mm. fireplace and I was, didn't get my deposit back. Like I smashed a couple of them into the wall. And it's not like I'm massively like killing insects, but I was freaking out and I yeah. i did take out a couple of moths
1: also the thing of them kind of going like right they, they go towards the light that's their thing and people go well it's because they're attracted to the moon because that's you know there was the brightest light in nature and you're like but they're never going to get to the moon it's a pipe dream like what's the, <laughs> it's, it's stupid you know you're not you're not gonna make it so why is that your evolutionary thing and I guess at some point it was to sort of oh it's nighttime I wake up now but like look you can't you can't get inside the light. You're too it's like watching someone who's taking too many drugs at a festival like hugging the speaker. It's like you can't get inside the music. Just just stop it and stand a bit away and have a drink of water. It's gonna be all right. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: listen, the light is for me. Yeah. I'm a performer, I'm selfish. The only person <laughs> that has the light is me. You can't share it with me, moths. I won't I won't abide it. And there's also a moth that looks like a murder hornet. It's like like a, it's not a murder hornet, hornet, but it's like an imitation one. I'm going to look up the name of it. I saw them in the trees outside my house. Let me just see if I can find the name of it. The carpenter bee, the elm sawfly, hummingbird moth. No, hummingbird moth is, basically the cat was batting something around the house one day and it was like a moth body, but the wings were clear. Oh, right. Um, and, uh, again, very, very upsetting. Yeah, yeah. I probably have a that. few less moths than I used to because I have a cat who is uh, a vicious a vicious
1: beast, so... Yeah, when I can't catch them myself sometimes, I lift up my cat because he wants to get them, but he can't reach, so we sort of work in tandem. So I sort of lift <laughs> him up as a sort of a fly swat. And it, it's always quite a nice bonding experience with the two of us, I find. Less so when it, you just see him sort of eating it and sort of trying to get the dust out of his mouth. But, uh, there you I go. imagine
0: on a tro- a tropical island as well. I'm going to have a real. There are going to be these huge moths.
1: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I yeah, I think that's. I think it's a good choice because they're sort of, they're just sort of, low level pests. You know, they're not sort of. They're kind of invasive in a sort of crap way. They're sort of bumble bumble along into you. You know, it's like a a bumbling kind of invasiveness, which is just sort of annoying. You know, it's not sort of aggressive, but it's just irritating (laughs) yeah i think they make a good a good animal choice so tiff i think you've done a great job here uh you know these are well thought out horrible things and people and (laughs) and your island is going to be a really shit place to spend time so thank you and i'm sorry um <laughs> but I'm very grateful for you to for you coming on Desert Island Dix. And and um, you know, obviously look, it's lockdown, it's a really difficult time for for comedians and actors, and uh wh- where's the best way to sort of uh hear what you're up to and keep up with what you've done before and that sort of thing?
0: Um well I'm doing a show uh February the nineteenth. I'm doing Nowhere Comedy Club in America. So that might be in the afternoon here. I'm doing a show. I'm gonna be working in some new stuff at that. Um Also, um, Old Rope, my show is coming back uh, possibly next week or the week after, which I had been doing on Monday nights on Instagram and enjoying, but I think we're moving that to Zoom. So you can find me just on Twitter, also TikTok. I'm putting some stuff out on there at the moment. Um, I have some fun videos, which uh, is basically me writing, describing men like bad male authors describe women.
1: Oh, I've um, seen that. That's brilliant. Yeah, I really <laughs> recommend everyone goes to look up that. It's really fun. And there's lots of them as well, aren't there? It's really good. There's
0: lots of them. So they were originally on Twitter, but I've started putting the videos on TikTok. And I think one's sort of, uh, got well, one of them's got a quarter of a million views uh, uh, just like this week. So, you know, like I, it, it, TikTok's quite a fun place to do them because you mm. get a lot of eyes on your stuff and you can just be creative and not get sort of bogged down in in twitter arguments you know yeah, which yeah. increasingly seems to be happening more and more but do follow <laughs> me on twitter if you're on there as well and um i sort of post about what i'm up to so you okay. can you can see it there
1: brilliant oh well tiff thanks again for joining us on desert Island X today
0: thank you very much for having me cheers, cheers.